Well, good morning. Glad to have you with us this morning. For those that may not know, my name is Brian Robertson. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I want to extend my special welcome to you as well. And as Pastor Jason was saying, if this is your first Sunday or you're newer to our church family, I want to extend a special welcome. There's a gift that we have for you out in the lobby. Uh, But also, if you are patient a little bit this morning, I'd like to meet you personally. I'll be up here in the front of the worship center and you can just come and introduce yourself. I'd love to meet you and put a face to a, a name, So, but I'm very glad that you are here and worshiping alongside us. This morning we start a brand new teaching series that we're calling Practicing Neighborliness. Uh, Jesus was asked, as you know, or some of you may know, we've talked about the last few weeks, Jesus was asked at one point to sum up all of the law in the Older Testament. Sum it all up, Jesus. What is the greatest commandment in everything that is handed down to us? And he answers by saying these two things. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And secondly, to love your neighbor as yourself. And we just finished a teaching series this last week, last Sunday, on how do we take the first part of that great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we talked about how we can practice the aspect of giving God our full attention. That one of the ways in which we can love the Lord our God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength is to learn to give God our full attention in the midst of busy lives, in the midst of things hectic and pulling our attention in various directions. But this morning, we want to kind of turn the corner and focus in on the second part of that great commandment to not only to love the lord your god with all your heart mind soul and strength but the second aspect is to love your neighbor as yourself or as we're going to be calling these next few weeks to practice neighborliness to learn to love our neighbor as ourself in our scripture reading that cody read for us earlier with the visio divina a man comes up to jesus asking you know, what to do, and, and Jesus tells him that, you know, to love the, your neighbors yourself, and, G, and this guy tries to justify himself and asks him, well, who's my neighbor then? If I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself, then who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells this relatively famous parable of the Good Samaritan, what's been known to us as the Good Samaritan. And it's this parable of Jesus, this teaching of Jesus, of the Good Samaritan that we're going to unpack over the next few weeks. As we learn, as we practice together, how can we learn to love our neighbor as ourselves? How can we learn to practice neighborliness? And as we were preparing for this series, and as I was preparing specifically for this morning, as thinking about an overview and introduction to this idea of loving our neighbor as ourselves, I was just struck with the fact that this is a very timely series. This is very crucial for us, and given the culture and the time that we live in, the kind of society that we live in, the cultural and the global issues that we face every day where people seem to be uh, divided more than ever and pitted one group against another group where people are lobbing verbal grenades after one another. When you see some people, when you see a group of people or even an individual who is learning to follow Jesus in this way and they're learning to practice neighborliness and loving their neighbor as themselves, it's like a breath of fresh air. In today's toxic culture where it's one group against another group where no one ever interacts with each other and everyone just kind of makes enemies out of everybody else, when you see someone who steps in a different way, it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like something finally is right in the world. Many of you know this, but recently our headlines have been uh, inundated with one story after another where it feels like finally something is breaking through. 
A few weeks ago, the headlines were, were riddled with the story of Ellen DeGeneres and President George W. Bush, who came, they came under fire because while they disagree on virtually everything, while they disagree on lots of things, they came together to watch a football game. And it was a simple watching a football game that sparked headlines across news feeds wherever you get your news from. Sparked headlines because it's so contrary to what we're seeing this day. Where people, when they disagree, they draw lines in the sand and they make enemies of the people that disagree with them and they lob verbal grenades at one another and they just dig into the trenches where they are. But can I tell you that as apprentices to Jesus, we ought to model for the world around us a way that is consistent with the kingdom of God. An ethic, in other words, that learns to love our neighbor as ourself. A different way of living than the culture around us. And this series that we're starting off this morning just seems very timely. Very crucial for us as a church, as a body of followers of Jesus to get this right. To learn to love our neighbor as ourselves. Friends, it's not enough for us to just simply learn to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. To create space. To give God our full attention. While that's wonderful, it's not enough. Jesus says that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. You can't get away from this. You just can't. And it is this kind of practicing neighborliness, this learning to love our neighbor as ourself, where we don't see people as friend and foe, but we begin to see people as neighbor that we're going to dig into over these next few weeks. And it's consistent with Jesus' teaching all throughout the Newer Testament. In particular, it's consistent with Jesus' teaching on the ethic of the kingdom of God as he lays it out in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. You've heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And in that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind to only your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Jesus' command on our life is to learn to live a different way. A way that is consistent with the ethic and the values of the kingdom of God where we don't draw lines in the sand where we see enemies and friends but we learn to see people as neighbor and then we take the obedient courageous step of learning to love our neighbor as ourself as ourself and in today's day and age and the culture that we live in the culture that we work in the culture you go to school in the culture we operate in the church has an opportunity, we have an opportunity to witness to people a different way of living. A different way that is not drawing lines in sands and lobbing verbal grenades, but a way where we learn to practice neighborliness. And we love our neighbor as ourself. If I could put this really simply, we need to grow in this. We need to grow in the area of loving our neighbor as ourselves, especially those who we disagree with and who may disagree with us. We need to grow in the area where we can love our neighbor 
as ourselves. We need to grow in the ability to be obedient to God's command in this area in our life. But in order to help us make this personal, and we think about what our neighbors are, who our neighbors are, I want you to invite us to think of three areas where you may find a neighbor. To make this very personal and practical for you, I want to help you by just simply thinking of three areas where you'll find neighbor. Because you might say, well, who's my neighbor then? Well, what does that mean? Well, it's just everybody? How am I supposed to do this? Let's not be super theoretical. Let's very practical. Let's find three areas that you can find a neighbor in. The first area is a neighbor of proximity. Proximity. That means someone who lives near you in your same neighborhood or in the same street or even in the same house that you live in. Someone is your neighbor because their proximity of you. They live near you. That's your proximity, the first area. Second area I want you to think about is the area of your workplace. Where do you go to work? The coworkers, your boss, your employees. If you're a student, it's the school that you go to. That's your work environment, right? That's your neighborhood of work or neighborhood of school. The third area I want you to think of neighborhood is your social the places that you play, the people you golf with, the, the clubs that you're a part of, the teams that you're a part of. Those social areas, those are places you find neighbors. So three areas that you can think of to find a neighbor. Neighbors of proximity, neighbors of workplace, and neighbors of social realm. And I want you to think about people who fit in one of these areas. I want you to be very practical this morning. I want you to think of their name or their face. I want you to see someone who fits in one of these three categories of neighbor. Someone in your proximity. Someone who lives near you or, or lives down the street from you. Someone in your workplace of neighbor or your school of neighbor. And maybe someone in the social realm of yours. Someone you play with. And as we go through the message this morning, as we go through the, even the series, just keep that name or that face in front of you. Keep that person that is in front of you. Because I just simply believe as we go through this, I believe that the Lord himself will invite you to begin to practice neighborliness with at least one or two people that are your neighbor. So just keep a name or a face in front of you. And as we go through this, perhaps the Lord is going to do some work. And perhaps the Lord is going to nudge you and to move you and to invite you to practice neighborliness with one or more of your neighbors. Of your neighbors. Well, that's where we're going in this series. And that's where we're headed this morning. But as we get started, let me pray for us. And let's see what God may teach us together. Jesus, it is because of you that we come and we gather and we proclaim your worthiness. We center our hearts and our minds and our lives on you. Teach us, lead us, and give us the courage to be obedient to your ways. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, Jesus' story that's been told uh, time and time again, that's known as the Good Samaritan, right? The story that we're going to unpack over these next few weeks. Among other things, it helps us to reframe how we see people. Because Jesus in this telling of the story invites us again to not see people as friend and foe, but to see everybody that we come in contact with as neighbor. And the hero of this Good Samaritan story, the hero of this neighbor story is this Samaritan man, is the Samaritan that comes by. And culturally speaking, Jews and Samaritans absolutely hated one another. 
This would have been a twist on the story that nobody listening, no Jewish person listening to the story would have ever expected to have happen. Because culturally speaking, the Jews and the Samaritans absolutely hated one another. There was generational animosity. There was racism that bled deep into their lives, deeply ingrained in these, in these two cultures, these two people were hatred, animosity, violence perpetrated one against another for generations that has, this had happened. So the last person any Jewish, would have, any Jewish person would have expected to be the hero of a story would have been those despised Samaritans, those hated ones. And while I'm sure he didn't like it, the expert in the law who's asking Jesus the question He understood what it meant to practice neighborliness. He understood what it meant to love your neighbor. And while he didn't like that the hero was one of those despised Samaritans, he at least recognized it. And when Jesus asked him, who's the one that was a good neighbor? He said, well, the one who showed mercy. The one who showed mercy. Just as a side note, I said this at the first service too, and I wasn't going to go there, but and we'll probably get there maybe. Just a little fun little trivia, little things, right? I want you to see the deep-hated animosity between the culture of a Jewish person and a Samaritan person because when the Jewish man was asked, who, so who showed neighborliness love? Who loved the man in the ditch? The guy couldn't even say the Samaritan. He said that one. Couldn't even acknowledge his humanity and his worth and his value. That's how deep this racism and this kind of arrogance and this violence against one another. He couldn't even see the humanity in the person. He said, oh, that one, one of those guys. That's a sermon for a different day. Just thought I'd give that at you. That's how, what it meant. No one would have expected one of the despised Samaritan to be the hero. But even the guy in the law, the teacher of the law, who knew the law, who knew what was going on, while he didn't like it, while he didn't like saying it, he at least recognized that it was a Samaritan who showed mercy. And Jesus says, you're right. Now go and do that. Do likewise, he says. Go and do that. In other words, learning to love your neighbor as yourself will include showing compassion and showing mercy. And at times we'll have times of serving and caring for another. And it is absolutely vital for what it means to be a Christ follower. Learning to love your neighbor as yourself, in other words, is not an option. It's not something that you have a choice in whether or not you want to abide by Jesus' teaching. Jesus' command is very simple. It's not, well, if you see somebody, if you think about it, if you want to make some space, if it doesn't cause you too much trouble, then you might want to do it. It's not an optional thing. Jesus says, go and do likewise. Learn to love your neighbor as yourself. This is a command. It's not optional for us to kind of wonder if we want to do this. This is something Jesus is teaching us to learn to do, to grow in an ability to love our neighbor, to practice neighborliness. In a good way. But in order to do that, in order to kind of get down into the practicality of it, to train ourselves to learn to love our neighbor as ourselves, we have to ask a simple question. Why does the Samaritan cross the street and go to the man who's in the ditch? What would cause a Samaritan to be walking down the road and see someone who has maybe spat animosity and anger and violence, 
sees someone hurting on the side of the road, left for dead? What would cause a Samaritan to walk over to him, to bound, bound up his wounds, to bandage them, to take him to an inn, to take care of him, and then say, if there's anything else, I'll, ta- I'll pay the tab. Just keep on caring for him. What would possess a, a Samaritan to walk over to him when the religious guys walk on the other side? When the guys that know the right thing to do walk on the other side? What would cause a Samaritan to walk over and to show loving, loving kindness and neighborliness to this guy who's laying in a ditch? And while there may be tons of reasons and some of them maybe even justifiable reasons to walk on the other side, the Samaritan demonstrates a kingdom ethic of compassion, of of loving kindness, of mercy, and we are called to do that as well. And we are called to do that as well. And we don't know the inner workings. I can't tell you what the Samaritan story was. I can't tell you what he was thinking in his mind. I can't tell you what was going on in his heart. But let me allow me to make an educated guess of what was going on in this Samaritan's life that might help us to seek to become obedient to Jesus' command to do likewise. And this morning, I'm just going to offer you one suggestion. Maybe what was going on in the Samaritan that enabled him to love his neighbor as himself, and that is the role of empathy. The role of empathy in the Samaritan's life. See this Samaritan? He knew what it was like to be on the side of the road left for dead, either literally or figuratively. Chances are he had experienced his own share of ridicule, his own share of violence against him, his own share of prejudice, his own share of shunning and and disregard and push on to the side. As I mentioned, Jews and Samaritans absolutely hated one another. They had a long history, generations of violence against one another. Perhaps, perhaps the Samaritan was aware of his own story enough and he was able to see part of himself in the one laying on the ditch, left for dead. Part of himself was there because he knew the pain that he'd experienced too. Henry Nouwen, a Catholic priest and author of many books, speaks about the importance for Christians to understand something that he calls, that we need to become what he calls wounded healers. Wounded healers. When we recognize our own wounds, ways in which we have experienced the pain and the sorrow and the hurt of another person, when we recognize our own wounds, then we're sensitive to the pain and the grief that others experience. When we know our story, at least a little bit of our story, then we recognize that there's pain and there's wounds in our story. Ways in which we have been mistreated and ways in which we've been left on the side. Ways in which we've been looked over. Ways in which we've been forgotten. And maybe ways in which violence has been done against us, either verbally or physically. But we recognize the pain in our own life and we can see that in someone else. And we can be sensitive to the pain and the grief that others experience. And while not many of us, thankfully... Not many of us have have experienced what it's like to be treated like a Samaritan. If you pay attention to your story, you have seasons of painful stuff happen in your life. I know it. I've listened to a number of you. I've heard it. There are times in your life where you ask the question, why was I treated like that? Why did they do that to me? 
Why did they forget me? I've heard your stories. At least some of them. And I know that every one of us have painful situations and painful seasons in our life. Words that someone said that cut deeply to our soul or words that someone didn't say that hold tightly on our hearts. Painful situations. And friends, if you can understand and pay attention to your own story, then it may lead us to be sensitive to the pain and the grief that others are experiencing all around us. Because while all of us have painful seasons in our life, some people respond to those painful seasons by anger, by bitterness, by rage, by lashing out at other people. But this Samaritan recognizes the painful seasons in his life. And he uses his own painful seasons as an act of, or an aspect to bring healing. See, it was, it was the ability for the Samaritan to see his own story, to see the own painful situations in his own life that changed the narrative for him. It absolutely changed the narrative for him because rather than just seeing a guy laying on the side of the ditch left for dead, the Samaritan was able to see himself and his own story in that guy and he was able to have empathy and changed the narrative completely for him. In his very last sermon before he was killed, the last sermon that I think was recorded before he was killed, Martin Luther King Jr. spoke about this parable. About this parable. He said, when you come across someone, you might ask, if I stop and help this man, what will happen to me? Then he suggested when the Samaritan came by, he asked, if I don't help this man, What will happen to him? And because the Samaritan was aware of his own experience and he knew what very well may happen, he had a very good idea if he didn't stop, what would happen to him? Because the Samaritan knew enough of his own story, he knew very well what might might happen to the man left on the side of the road for dead. See, the role of empathy is powerful in apprentices to Jesus as we learn to love our neighbor as ourself, as we learn to love our neighbor, practice neighborliness, we become wounded healers in this world. Wounded healers. But as I said, we want to be very practical in this series. I want to give us some things to practice, to learn to be obedient to Jesus' calling, His command on us, to learn to go and do likewise, to love our neighbor as ourself. And the first way in which we can do this very practically, the first way is we need to recognize our own need for healing. You need to recognize our own need for healing. It's really tempting in a sermon like this or in when you come to a parable like this to jump to understand, to see, to see ourselves as one of the, the three guys, either the two religious people or the Samaritan. To see what do we, how can we do this. It's really easy to jump into there. And we'll get there eventually through the series, I promise you. But this morning... A very powerful and I think a proper way to start in this uh, parable to understand what's going on is to identify with the man left in the ditch. To identify as the man left in the ditch and to see Jesus as the Good Samaritan. A proper way to start with this parable is to see ourselves in the ditch and to see Jesus as the Good Samaritan. 
Friends, this is the gospel. Because at one point in your life, you and I were in a ditch somewhere, left for dead, unable to get out on our own because of our own sinful nature, our own painful past, because of everything that we have done or we have things we have perpetrated. We have been left on the, de- on the side of the road for dead in a ditch, unable to find any healing on our own. Until the least likely of people the God of the universe, the one that we had rejected, the one that we had shunned, the one we had turned our back on, the one that we said, we said, we'll take it from here, we'll do it ourselves, we'll be the God of the universe. The God of the universe is the one who walks down the road, sees us, lying in a ditch for dead because of our sin and because of the ways in which we have rebelled against him. He doesn't turn his back on us. He doesn't walk away. He doesn't want, turn his blind eye to us, but he has compassion on us. He comes to us. He binds our wounds. He picks us up, puts us on his dark he takes us to an end he pays the debt for us and he says if there's anything else i'll pay that too friends this is the gospel when you get down to it that you and i at some point in our life we're lying on a ditch for dead when the god of the universe saw us where we were walked to us binds our wounds we can't heal it ourselves and he takes it on himself Don't just listen to the story. Don't just read it for the words. Listen to it with your soul. Experience what it's like to be the man in the ditch and you see Jesus, the one you've rejected, the one you've pushed aside, the one that you've turned your back on, and he doesn't turn his back on you, but he comes to you. And by his wounds, you have been healed. And it is through the surprising compassion of the one that we have offended. It is the surprising compassion of the one that we have turned our back on that has come to us to heal, to restore, to make new. Friends, this story has power to heal you so that you can go and do likewise. If we want to be agents of learning to love our neighbor as ourselves, friends, we have yet to become wounded healers, which means we need to recognize our own need for healing ourselves. It begins with experiencing the healing that comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. For some of us, for some of us, we accepted God's forgiveness of our sins some time ago. Years ago, decades ago maybe. It's been a long time. And perhaps as the years have gone by, we've just forgotten what it was like to be left dead on the side of the road in our sin until the love of God reached out to us and healed us. For some of you, for some of us, we've been following Jesus for what seems like our whole life. And perhaps we've forgotten what it was like to be left in our sin with no way to get out until the God of the universe saw us in our place and had compassion on us. Can I suggest that if that's your story, if that's who you are, can I suggest for you that a good starting place for you if you're learning to love your neighbor as yourself, a good starting place for you and a good starting place for me as we learn to be obedient to Jesus' call in our life, Recall the goodness of the God of the universe who has forgiven you in Christ. 
Recall what it is like to be bound by Jesus, by His wounds we've been healed. Recall the goodness that you experience when you experience the forgiveness of your sin and the power of being forgiven. But there's also possible that for some this morning, you don't know that power. It's also very possible this morning that for some of us this morning, you don't, you don't know the power of what it's like to be forgiven. Because you've been holding on to the guilt and the shame of sin in your life. And you feel like nothing's ever going to get you out of the pit. Nothing's ever going to stop the sin and the pain and the rebellion in your life. And you don't know what it's like to be healed. And you don't know what it's like to feel forgiven. Can I tell you that the God of the universe took your sin upon himself that you might experience forgiveness and life eternal? Can I tell you that as we accept and, and receive the love and the mercy that only Jesus can provide for us, that we will experience a forgiveness and eternal life beginning now and lasting into, eternal, into the rest of eternity? And if you have not yet received that, if you've not yet accepted the grace and the forgiveness that is yours, not because of something you've done, but solely because of Jesus and the power that comes from His compassion and mercy on your life. Well, I don't invite you this morning to do that. To experience that. To experience the power of forgiveness that comes from only Jesus. And all the shame and all the guilt and all the pain that has been caused because of your rebellion and because of your sinful stuff is taken over by Jesus. By Jesus. But if we're going to grow in our obedience to love our neighbor as ourself, if we're going to grow in that, first we need to recognize our need to be healed. And we need to receive that. But it's going to take the next step. And that's a step of intentionality. We need to take some intentional, purposeful steps to learn to love our neighbor as ourselves. And over these next few weeks, we're going to invite each one of us to practice some ways in which we can be good neighbors and loving neighbors to those around us, either in those neighbors of proximity, those neighbors of workplace, or those neighbors in your social world. In fact, let me get more specific for a second. Because we are going to not only just be intentional, but part of being intentional means we need to choose someone that we are going to be loving neighbors to. We're going to practice neighborly with. We're going to practice what that looks like. I asked you this morning to think of a name or a face of someone that fits in one of those circles of your neighborhood. And this morning I wanted to ask you, to take the intentional step. If you desire to seek to grow in obedience to Jesus, to learn to love your neighbor as yourself, I'm going to ask you to choose one or two of those neighbors. I want you to think of them. And in a moment, in a few minutes, we're going to close the service. And when we close the service, you saw these clotheslines as you walk in on either side of the worship center. And there's slips of paper on those clotheslines. And each, on each one of those slips of paper is an initial or a first name of somebody that came from the first service that said, I'm going to practice neighborliness. I'm going to love my neighbor. And those initials are the people that we are going to love. 
So I want you to think of the name of the person within your neighborhood, in your proximity neighborhood, workplace neighborhood, or or social neighborhood. And I want you to think about, consider committing to learning to love one or two of those people. And then write their initials or even their first name on one of those slips of paper and clip it to the the line there. And it just be a, a constant reminder to us that we, this body of Christ followers, are seeking to learn to love the Lord our God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength and our neighbor as ourself. As ourself. Just take the intentional step to choose someone to walk towards. Choose somebody. But the second way in which we can be intentional not just choosing someone to walk towards. The second way is to learn to pray for them by name. Pray for them by name over these next few weeks. Especially during our, church, or during our services and during our series, pray for them, but continue to pray for them by name. And as you pray for them, just simply ask the Lord, what would it look like for me to love this person as myself? What would it look like for me to practice neighborliness with this person? Pray for them by name and ask the Lord, what would it look like for me to be obedient to you in this relationship with this person? And then pray for the courage to be obedient to what the Lord leads you to. Because I just believe that as He's bringing names to, your, to the top of your mind, and as you pray diligently for them and you ask, what would it look like to love them as myself? I believe the Lord's going to lead you and say, I want you to do this. I want you to say this. So then pray for courage to be obedient. Be obedient to the ways. So choose someone. Be intentional. Choose someone specifically. Pray for them by name regularly this week. And thirdly, being intentional means to bless them. Find a way to bless them this week. At least one time for every week for the rest of this series for the next few weeks. Find a way to bless them. It can be a word of affirmation, a word of encouragement. It can be an act of kindness that you want to do for them. But do something for them in order to bless them. Have fun with it. Be creative with it. But the deal is to be intentional. Choose someone. Pray for them day or at least once a week by name. And then at least once a week, learn to bless them. Practice neighborliness. As the Lord brings those, those people to your mind, that you just simply practice what does it look like to love my neighbor as myself. So the band's going to come up in just a minute here and they're going to close in a closing song. And while they're leading this song and they're closing the song, I'm going to invite you to prayerfully get up. No one's going to dismiss you. I'm just going to invite you to prayerfully get up and to make the commitment to choose to practice neighborliness, to love your neighbor as yourself with one or two of your neighbors and to write their name or their initial on those pieces of paper and clip them to the clothesline and those lines are going to be up for the remainder of this series to remind us as we come into worship on the sun on sunday mornings to be reminded that we are gathered to love the lord our god with all of our heart mind soul and strength and to love our neighbor as ourself and as we do this may the spirit of god empower you to embody the life-giving culture the ethic of the kingdom of god where we learn to love our neighbor as ourself Let me pray for us. Jesus, we recognize 
God, we recognize that we need your forgiveness. Recognize that we have been the one on the side of the road, and it was you. It was you who came to us. I pray that that would resonate in our hearts that we may be your people. May we have the courage to love our neighbors as ourselves. May we not see friend and foe, but may we see neighbor. And may that make the difference. It's in your name, amen.